You want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. As we turn there, um, I I want to say that uh, we continue to have our our Father's Bible study at 6 a.m. at Primo's on Wednesday. We'd love to have you men there. Uh, We're going to be talking about the next few weeks uh, what it is to be manly uh, according to the scriptures. And so I'd love to see you there. Uh, you wimpy men should show up at 6 a.m. in the morning uh, to Primo Burgers with me. I was just kidding. Uh, no, you should come. I was just kidding about you being wimpy. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we are continuing our study in the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, as we come to the study this morning, I'm reminded that much of our world says just a simple message like this that says, Work hard uh, to get what you want. Work hard to get what you want. Uh, If you don't have what you want, work harder, and then you can get what you want. Uh, We tell uh, students, especially those who are in high school, as they're getting to the end, work hard, you'll get what you want. And that should be the question, what do you want? Uh, What are you willing to work for? And this morning, we're going to use that as a launching point for this passage that I preached two weeks ago, and I'm going to preach it again this morning because I didn't do a very good job. You kind of have to redo it. No, uh, we had the kids last last time, two weeks ago on Palm Sunday, and I wanted to share with you more about this idea from the book of Ecclesiastes that will come up again, uh, but such an important passage when it comes to the issue of work and finding joy uh, in your work. And so we're going to uh, get after it again. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. Um, starting in verse 18 in chapter 2 to the end of the chapter. God's word says this, I hated all my toil in which I I toil under the sun, uh, seeing that I must leave it uh, to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Uh, Yet he will be the master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. Uh, So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. Uh, What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. God, as we look to your word, uh, thank you for not leaving us on our own. Thank you for not uh, putting us aside and saying, you figure it out. But you've spoken to us. 
And God, I ask your blessing on your word, that it would find a home in our hearts, that it would reframe our thoughts, that it would uh, chart a, a course and set priorities. God, thank you uh, for being a loving and gracious God, patient with us, long-suffering. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> that picture of God leaving us alone, um, what if God was not involved in your life at all? You did not know His Word. You did not have a relationship with Him, and He dropped you in the middle of Las Vegas, and He said, go figure it out, what life is all about. What if maybe that same picture you take to uh, one of the great universities of our country uh, where it is filled with the party life, the young ideas and the ideas that reject that God has anything to do with life. If you tossed uh, yourself as a young person out to that college and he said, go figure it out. Um. We know about this, right? Some of us have lived this life. Some of us uh, maybe even still remain in this life. Uh, and we're struggling to get out of it. Um, God has not left us alone. He's given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit to be our teacher. And this morning is part of that process. As we look to God's Word this morning, I want to remind you that the... Uh, the human author of the book of Ecclesiastes, we believe to be Solomon, uh, that he had no real limitations on what he could get. Uh, you all have limitations. Um, you have all kinds of dumb ideas that you'd like to try out, but you don't have the money or the time or the resources to get there. It's good for you, by the way, that you're limited. It's good for your wife, too, that you're limited. Uh, it's good for your husband that you're limited. Uh, uh, it's good for your kids, too, uh, over and over again, right? That you're limited. But Solomon was not. And uh, at the beginning of chapter 2, he says he, he tested himself with pleasure. He, he, and he goes on to say, I think it's in verse 10, where he says uh, he didn't keep himself from any pleasure. There wasn't something that he saw that he wanted to do that he didn't go and do. And we think about that and we go, wow, that's different than my life. Uh, my life has been controlled. My life has been uh, reserved. And there's some crazy things I've thought of doing, both sinful and just adventurous, that I've kept myself from. And so I don't know what it would be like. And so Solomon's telling us, I'll tell you what it'll be like. I'll tell you the mess you'll get in. And uh, you, you're the conclusion, right? Vanity of vanities. It's fleeting. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Uh, I, I keep going back to that word he said in chapter 1 where he says, what is the profit? What, what, will it be worth it? Uh, and we should always be asking the question of ourselves, of our family, of our kids. Will it be worth it, whatever we're doing? Will it matter in the end? Will it be something that in the end I'll go, that was great. That was great. Um, and so we come to the end of chapter 2, where for really one and a half chapters, he's gone on about the emptiness of this pursuit. 
And I want to tell you, this is timeless truths. If it was empty for Solomon, it'll be empty for you too. It doesn't get better with age. It won't, uh, we won't progress to any place where these things will satisfy. And so Solomon comes to verse 18. And I have two points for you this morning. They're long ones, so don't get excited. Hate in life, hate in life, and love in life. Hate in life and love in life, okay? Uh, real educational grammar Nazis are coming after me now. Um, hate in life and love in life. Um, start in verse 18, and he says, I, I hate uh, all my toil in which I toiled under the sun. He hated his work, his life work. And, and if you go back, you realize that his work was magnificent. He built things. He grew things. He, he, he changed the course of cities. He, the, the palace, and, and he had designed these things, and he had made sure they came to fruition. And so he'd done amazing things, amazing things, as some of you have done. And yet he looked back and, uh, at the accomplishments that he had accomplished, and he said, I hated it. I hated it. He's going to go on to explain uh, why he hated his work. And some of you are thinking right now, hey, I can relate to that. I hate my job too. I, I hate it, you know. I, I hate going and the, the way I'm treated and the people I work with and my boss. I'm thankful none of the guys who work here are here today. That would be embarrassing. If I, yeah, amen. But uh, the, this idea of hating work, of, of feeling that it's not worth it. This idea that says, uh, I find no profit in going. I, I don't find a reason to keep going. And as he says he hated work, he uh, gives a reason or a few reasons for why. Moving on in verse 18, he says, uh, seeing that I must leave it and Leave it to the man that will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This all also is vanity. Uh, this section, he's going to say vanity over and over again. It's like he can't get away from it. He can't get away from this meaninglessness of the life that he has invested in. He can't get away from the idea that it's fleeting, that it's not the profit that he was looking for. And so as an older man, uh, the first thing he shares about the reason for this vanity is that he will be leaving it all behind. He will be leaving it all behind. As, he, uh, as you think about this, some of you are at that place right now. You're starting to look at your stuff. Uh, and have you ever gone to a garage sale where people are downsizing? Have you ever gone, gone to those? Those are great, by the way, except if you're doing it, you know, except if it's your stuff. Because people go through your stuff and they're, they're, they're looking at your, they're pawing through your precious possessions. Hate to ruin it for some of you. Some of you are thinking, I need to do this in the next couple of years. And ouch, uh, uh, one of the worst things you can do is leave the price tag on things, right? Um, 
you, you, you buy something, a, a tool especially, an electrical tool. You, you, you know why? Because in two, three years, they have something way better. We, we can't give that stuff away. And there's this thing that we all say, do you know how much I paid for that? <laughs> like that's somehow going to give value to it today. Uh, you know, and, and you say, do you, you know, I, I paid $180 for that. Great. I'll give you two bucks. It's painful, isn't it? The idea of leaving it all behind. Possessions, possessions, things that we have or things that we have done, things that we have created uh, are fleeting, are fleeting. Uh, they're tools to be used for a moment. I say a moment, and sometimes we justify tools. I'm letting, sorry, I should, probably shouldn't be sharing some of this stuff. But um, sometimes we justify this tool. I need this $200 tool, you know, and I'll use it a bunch of times after that. I'll get to women in their uh, quilting and stuff like that. Uh, that was for you, Russ. I wanted to take care of that for you. She was nodding too many times. But uh, you say, I'll use this a bunch of times, and yet uh, most of the time uh, we just use it once or twice, and then it gets lost in our garage. We buy things and we think, this is really going to make the difference in my life. It's going to make my life better. It's going to be satisfactory to me if I have this. And Solomon, to a much grander scale, he did this with everything, wherever he looked. And he comes to the end of his life and he's considering the meaning of life or what makes it worthwhile. And he says, I'm afraid because I'm going to have to leave all this stuff behind. Leave it all behind. And uh, what's interesting to me uh, is he had sons. He had sons. He had sons and daughters. He had, well, he had many, many kids. Many, many kids. From all the wives and uh, girlfriends that he had, um, Solomon had many children. And yet, uh, maybe he had already known that it would be Rehoboam. And if you look to the scriptures and you see how Rehoboam's uh, time uh, in charge looked, uh, there was reason to worry. There was reason to worry. And maybe he saw that ahead of time. Maybe he looked at his son and he goes, I can't trust him. I, I, I worked so hard. I, I, I stayed up so late. I have I accumulated all this. And now I'm going to have to leave it to one that comes behind. And he wondered. He wondered, would he be filled with wisdom or foolishness? Will he be able to handle that, that which I have worked so hard to do. And I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. Some of you think you can, you can somehow uh, outdo Solomon. You say, well, I can't trust my kids with uh, the inheritance. You know, maybe you're older and you're thinking about these things. And so I'm going to give it to a church or I'm going to give it to an organization or I'm going uh, to waste it all now. Some of you have tried that too. Um, uh, I'm going to spend it all now so there's nothing left. And I want to tell you this. This idea that you can somehow outsmart uh, the course of life, you cannot. You cannot. 
Uh, it's interesting. I went to a church one time. And, uh, this is uh, counterintuitive what I'm going to say right now. Um, I went to a church that had 30 people in the church. It had a building probably three or four times the size of ours. And it had, it was paid off. It was in the middle of Hollywood. It was uh, assessed at $20 million. It was paid off. And in stocks and bonds, in the early 90s, in the early 90s, they had $1.8 million from 30 people. Went to, couldn't figure out how to use it, you know, the... The church uh, that was they, they were they were sitting on this money, thinking that it was the reason they were there. Like it was weird. It was weird. And you know how they got that money? People gave it to them upon their death. I want to tell you. I want to tell you. You can't outsmart you, your kids or what goes on here after. We can't somehow figure out how to keep things going beyond the moment. You can't even figure out in the moment. And so as Solomon was, was getting his head around this, he was going, I don't know if I can trust my son. And maybe it won't be my son. Maybe there will be another king that comes. But how will I work so hard for this? And how can I assure that it will continue on? I want to tell you, buying a plaque isn't going to do it, right? Buying a plaque. That church that I went to, there were plaques everywhere. Nobody knew, nobody knew who those people were. I want to tell you that, that we can't ensure the future. And so Solomon comes to grips with this. He says, I worked so hard to amass these accomplishments and this wealth, and I don't know what's going to happen after me. And it caused him to reflect on the vanity, the fleeting, uh, the, the, that it's not worth it. It caused him to get there. And, and he says this, and he, he looks to, he doesn't know if the one that comes after would be wise or a fool. And he says, yet he will be the master of all which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. Vanity, fleeting, not worth it, meaningless. In verse 20, he goes on and he continues with this theme and he says, hey, He's leaving it all behind, but other people are going to enjoy his hard work. Verse 20, so I turned about and gave my heart to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Remember, this is without God. When he says under the sun, it means without God. It means just the best we can do down here. Verse 21, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is a vanity and a great evil. Why do we work so hard? To enjoy. To enjoy. That's that, that uh, thing I shared with you at the beginning. I said, uh, work hard to get what you want. Work hard to get what you want. Uh, for some, it's the idea, work hard and then retire and enjoy life. Uh, Sometimes that doesn't work out so well because we work hard and we, we, we have this drive and we say, why am I working so hard so I can have nice things? I'm working hard so I can have the good life. I'm working hard for my retirement. I'm working hard for something later. And Solomon uh, had that fixed in his mind. But as he came to the end of his life, he says, wait a minute. <laughs> Other people will enjoy my hard work. It won't be a joy to me. My 
wisdom, my knowledge, and my skill must lead. All that must be left to be enjoyed by someone who did not work for it. This also is vanity and a great evil, a great evil. Uh, he goes on to not just say that it is meaningless, but he says it's a great evil. It's, it's unjust. It's unjust. Then he continues on. Uh, and it, this comes to the frustration of all this, the frustration and pain of work that never ends. Verse 22. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart for which he toils beneath the sun? Uh, before I go further into verse 23, uh, that word toil, I just want to remind you, it's work, it's hard work. And as you go back to the book of Genesis, you realize that everything is hard work. Everything is hard work. It's hard to stay engaged. It's hard to get up in the morning to go to work. Can I get an amen? It's hard. It's hard to get out of bed and say, why am I doing this again? What, what, what you know, is it driving me and this, this idea? I, I think for you who are retired, it's even more difficult, right? Blank page. What am I going to do today? Whatever my wife tells me to, you know, uh, uh, you, you get this idea that you have freedom and yet uh, it's, it's difficult to use that freedom that would somehow bring meaning to the days ahead. And so, uh, we seek, uh, we seek to find meaning and, and toil, and it's hard, it's difficult. But he says, uh, "What is a man from all the toil and striving of heart for which he toils under beneath the sun?" Verse twenty-three: For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. This hard work. Uh, in a meaningless life apart from God brings about bitterness and frustration. Now, I don't want to point out anybody, okay? But um, have you ever uh, met contractors? Uh, don't, yeah, I'm not pointing out anybody. Don't, don't feel the heat or anything. But uh, uh, it doesn't matter. Any tradesman, any, someone who's seeking to build something, roads or whatever, what happens when it doesn't go so well? You ever poured concrete and it starts to set up before? Like, what happens? What happens? Oh, we'll just do it again. It's not a big deal. No one ever says that. No one ever says that. There's a sense of frustration that immediately comes because I didn't get what I wanted. It's this frustration that comes, this vexation and trying to plan better next time. And this, this frustration that I, did, I had a plan and it didn't come together. I want to tell you that happens for all of us, doesn't it? It's interesting. We, uh, we scold children and we discipline them for throwing temper tantrums. Adults don't get those. Uh, they should, right? They should get those punishments. They should get those corrections, right? Because adult temper tantrums aren't as cute, you know. They're just not all that cute. Uh, well, we don't get what we want. And, and as Solomon looked at this, he looked at his work and his difficulty, and he says it's full of sorrow. His work is vexation. And it, it goes on even further, and maybe we've all experienced this. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. Lay awake there going, what am I going why can't I get this done? Why is this not working? I don't have the answer. Why, why, why? 
Once again, he comes, this also is vanity. It's not worth it. Where's the profit? It's vanity. So we come to uh, number two, hating life. Now we're loving life, okay? Got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. So uh, verse 24, loving life. And this is so important for us. I, I want to encourage you to go over this in your own heart and life this week, that you just go over this section and read it over and over again. Um, and God's word says this, love and life. This is how it goes. Verse 24, there is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God for apart from him who can eat and who can have enjoyment. Joy in the journey, joy in the journey comes from God. It comes from him. I want to tell you, um, if you're young and you don't have any money, you're newly married and you don't know where things are going, there's joy in the journey, but it comes from the hand of God. It doesn't come from you getting a better couch. Uh, it, it doesn't come from that or a bigger apartment or a better job. It doesn't come from that. There's joy in the journey today in the midst of it. It's not just at the destination. When I accomplish there's, there's joy in that as well, but he's saying this, the simplicity of, I shared with you a couple weeks ago, the simplicity of eating and drinking. I want to remind you that this probably isn't the food network, right? That's not, this isn't the $100 meal. This isn't the fresh herbs from your garden or uh, the fine wine from some, you know, great vineyard in Thiachapi or something like that. This isn't uh, this amazing meal, it's the simplicity of eating and drinking that we do three, four, five times a day, right? Uh, it's the simplicity of life. And it's not that it's just living the good life and uh, enjoying a good meal or even a simple meal. It's that God is in the midst of it. If there's much or if there's plenty. As we look at this passage, he says eating and drinking most basic of this to, is to be enjoyed. There's joy in the journey. He goes on to say, verse 26, for to the one who pleases him, actually, let me back up. I, I need to reiterate this again. Verse 25, he asks a question, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? I want to tell you, I want to tell you that um, this is one of the most basic counseling things that I can do for each one of us here this morning, my, my own soul included. Not happy, not happy, depressed, struggling, I hate my life. I, I want to encourage you to think in terms of this. Are you looking to God to supply that? Or are you looking for stuff, for people, for accomplishments? Are, are you waiting to find joy when, when you retire? Are you waiting to find joy when you get more money? Are you waiting to look for the hand of God to work in your life when you uh, somehow reach some milestone? Are you looking for it today, His provision for you? Are you looking for His hand of mercy in your life today? I want to tell you, uh, Solomon, who had it all, he said, yeah, I'm a mess. I'm a mess looking for uh, satisfaction and joy in the stuff of this life. So just encourage you uh, 
to ask the question, for apart from him, who can eat and find, who can have enjoyment? You know, if I'm struggling with joy, I'm probably not, not looking to him to find it. Joy is found uh, in the plan of God, worked out in his son, Jesus Christ. As we move on, verse 26 uh, it says this, joy in pleasing God, for, for to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom, knowledge, and joy. First of all, I, I said this earlier, the one who pleases him. What was Solomon looking for, and where was he looking for it? He was seeking pleasure in pleasure. He, he was going, I'm going to, anything that anyone talks about as being pleasing, I'm going after that. Anything that somebody finds some kind of meaning in, I'm, I'm going to chase after that. But in this passage, it says, for to the one who pleases him, God, okay, him, God will. Like, I want to tell you that uh, pleasure is not found in you seeking pleasure. Pleasure is found in you pleasing God. The joy that you're seeking in life is not you selfishly going out after all that you want. Pleasure is found in you following after and serving the God who created you. And, and sometimes we go, oh man, my life is a mess and this and that. You know why? Because you're doing it wrong. It's real simple. It works better when you fill the role that God created you for. And that role is for you to please Him. To think through your day, your moments, your, your, your priorities and say, well, what does God want? What does God want? What would please Him? If you go through your day saying, what would please me? I want to tell you, that's where you get in the mess. Pretty theological. That's where you get in the mess, right? Okay? Write a book about that. Um, pleases him tested with pleasure uh, I want to tell you this God has given God has given this is it he gives it it's a gift if you find joy in this life if you see the hand of God at work in your life and you find joy in that you go that is a gift of God what do you do with gifts by the way you say thank you to the one right to the one who gave me this God gave me this praise him for it. I'm thankful that you did this today. I'm thankful. And you know what? You do something else with a gift, right? You enjoy it. You enjoy it. You use it. You, you incorporate it in your life. God gave you a gift. I, I, I'm running out of time here, but I got to get to this. This is so good. Um, which is a pastor's way of saying, I don't care. Um, uh, the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom, knowledge, and joy. Uh, did you catch that earlier? He said, I, I worked with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. I, I did all these great things. I did all these uh, wisdom, knowledge, and skill. I want to tell you, wisdom, knowledge, and skill leaves out joy. You, you can be smart. You can do things the right way. And, and I want to tell you that, that all those things you should be doing, but but what he gives and grants is wisdom, knowledge, and in the midst of that, joy. Uh, wisdom and knowledge without joy is still vain. It's still fleeting. He goes on uh, and says that joy can be missed in frustration and empty, selfish pursuits. But to the sinner, uh, 
Verse 26 again. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and striving after the wind. If I gave you the task in fall of raking all the leaves, and so you rake them up into a big pile, and you, you work really hard. It's a hot fall day, and you worked really hard. There's a lot of trees and a lot of uh, leaves around here, and you uh, put them all together, and you say, I've completed my task. I've completed my task. And the next day you show up, and they're scattered all over again. And it's been worthless. Your work has been worthless. I want to tell you, that's the life of seeking after the sin that God tells us not to. That, that, that's the life of the one that says, I'm going to selfishly go after everything that I want. I want to tell you, it's like that pile of leaves that you work so hard to get, but it's scattered the next day. There's an emptiness that comes from that. Three things as we uh, to remember as... Uh, we uh, close our time this morning. The first one is just this uh, three-word phrase, apart from Him, apart from Him. Uh, I, I don't want to live life apart from Him. I, I want my, my simplest task to be with Him, honoring Him, pleasing to Him, not apart from Him. Uh, that question is, apart from Him, who can find joy? Who can find it? Uh, not even in a meal. Secondly, um, pleasure isn't pleasing if it ain't pleasing God. You got that? Pleasure isn't pleasing if it ain't pleasing God. I think especially, uh, you know, some of us who are older, we have some scars that teach us some things, right? Teaching scars. You know, I did this one thing this one time and I got this mark on my arm to prove it. And this mark reminds me that I should never do that again. Or, you know, sometimes it's too late, right? Uh, some of our bones creak and ache, and uh, we need to replace parts of us because of things that we did when we were young. And there's this reminder of things that we shouldn't have done, right? But for our young people, they don't have those reminders unless their parents would tell them, unless their grandparents would tell them. Unless their church is a place where they speak truth to them. They don't have those. And to remind our kids, in the midst of making decisions even now, pleasure isn't pleasing. It's not. It's not the, the life that I want. It's, pleasure isn't pleasing if it ain't pleasing God. If they look at it, their life and you say, is that going to please God? Is that something that He wants for your life? Lastly, uh, God's blessing is better than man's accomplishments. God's blessing is better than man's accomplishments. You know what's the problem with a gift? There's nothing, there's no awesome story to it, right? Well, at least there's no awesome story that goes back to you, right? When you hold uh, an award you won, and I hope none of you ever do this to me. This is the award I won for being so awesome, you know. Uh, especially you men, if you still have your high school trophies in your living room, it's time to get rid of them, okay? It's time, okay? But this idea that you did something awesome, we, we love to show monuments to ourselves. You know, we like to stare at them, and then and our friends come over, hey, let me show you, let me show you what I did. Um, 
I want to tell you that's man's accomplishment. That's the best that we could do. And sometimes it's pretty pathetic, by the way. It's not that great. God's blessing, God's gift, um, you look at it and, and all you can say is God has been good to me. God has loved me. God has loved me. And even in that, He loved me when I was unlovable. He blessed me when I was undeserving. And so for us to get used to that, right? Get used to God's blessing in our life. Get the idea that He should deserve praise and honor for the good things, that, the joy that He's given us. Always back to Him. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this uh, amazing passage. God, I ask that you would mark us with it even now. Your spirit would plunge it deep in our heart and, and reorder and take out that w- those thoughts that are wrong. And uh, God, thank you. Thank you for the grace of the gospel that you did not leave us to figure this out on our own. God, help us to walk by your spirit this week and not by our flesh. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here this day. You are dismissed.